0: Welcome back to Following Know On, a Stormlight <laughs> podcast. This week is episode 102, and this podcast is entering Rhythm of War by Brandon Sanderson. This is quite the milestone to hit. We've got a very pretty book and a fairly recent book as far as the fandom goes and as far as this recording time goes within a year and a half of, of publishing, which is... Fairly recent compared to the stuff we've been reading. Paul, how are you?
1: Oh, excellent. I've been waiting for this for... I don't know how long. I lost track. I was waiting too long. Uh, I'm really excited to, to start Rhythm of War and to talk about it with y'all. Elliot? I'm excited. I'm good. I keep
2: finding myself like trying to not think as I'm reading what was Trevor thinking as he was reading this? Like I, I keep having that moment of like, I'm experiencing what Trevor was experiencing back when I was experiencing way of Kings for the first time. Yeah. True. You,
0: you are, this is my second read. I'm going to be very new to the, to this, just as you guys are. I have a vague memory of the plot and the characters, but as far as minute detail goes, I am going to be woefully inaccurate So feel free to correct me, either both you guys and in the comment section, but just be nice to me because, you know, I've only read it once.
1: So you're telling me the entire time we've spent reading the other books, you haven't just been diligently studying word by word the sacred text of Rhythm of War?
0: No, so I've deliberately not revisited Rhythm of War so as to not have that on my mind so so same thing with as we were going through the podcast i sped through rhythm of war because i didn't want to get spoiled on it but then i deliberately like forgot it and threw it out of my mind so i wouldn't spoil it on the podcast so it's some of the my poor memory of this book is actually kind of intentional
1: are you excited to not have to forget it now
0: i am it's kind of like a new stormlight book for me yeah there we go me too all right, prologue through chapter three. Can I get two words to summarize these chapters? Uh Ellie, we'll start with you.
2: My two words are new
1: nostalgia.
2: Oh, okay. Paul?
1: Okay. Uh, my two words are mechanical family.
0: New nostalgia and mechanical family. Let's use these four words and talk about Rhythm of War. Alright, Elliot, let's start with you with Nostalgia and
2: New. They they pretty much go together. It was the feeling of opening a book that's new brand new just like we were kind of talking about but also feels familiar like it, the first paragraph in and it was i mean it helps us it's the prologue right so we've kind of seen these scenes before but it, it felt like i was stepping back into you know something nostalgic that i was immediately like ah yes this is stormlight i, I think even even Donshard, which is set in the same you know story with all the same characters, it felt a little different. But like instantly going back into this is like, oh yes, I I know what this story is.
0: I, yeah, I totally agree. There's something about Dawnshard that doesn't quite have that feel. I guess it, I think Kaladin actually carries a lot of that for me. That if I'm if I have a Kaladin chapter, then it really feels like Stormlight to me. Paul, how about you?
1: I, I agree. I, I kind of had a, a Stormlight-sized itch that wasn't being scratched entirely by Dawn Shard was cool. We got to see Rissen and Lopen, but those aren't characters that I, whenever I'm thinking about our main story, instantly jump to. And I think that that's why. We have Kaladin, we have Dalinar, we have Renorin, Navani, like whoever. Um, and it was really exciting to hear from all them. Uh, I'm hijacking your segment for a second, Trevor, because... I have a really fun, exciting mug to show. Um I those, you know, the real fans who've recently seen my Windrunner mug, which I painted. I also painted another one, which please be please be kind. I am not an artist in any way, shape, or form. I just thought it would be fun. But I painted an edge dancer mug, which more so looks like there's just like a little bird on my um on my <laughs> mug. But here's here's my little edge dancer symbol um you can see that thank you uh and we have a new patron who i I wanted to show off the mug first before i put your name on but we have a surgeon named sage i believe at least that's what i wrote on here that's what i saw sage um so we really appreciate your support and being a surgeon, saving lives, doing a lot of hard work—it's uh, really great and it's fun. We haven't uh, to to be jumping back into Stormlight and to come back with some uh, more surgeons is a lot of fun. So, and then my words—that's um, what we're talking about, right? Um, mechanical and family. I chose mechanical because. Reading her prologue, we see from Navani, and I think she's pretty. I summed it up to mechanical; it was pretty like engineering minded. That with the fabrioles, all the stuff, art of her favorite art of fabriolians are here, and she's really excited and all this stuff. And I kind of am making a prediction that we're going to see a lot of mechanical kind of things or things that would interest Navani this book. I don't have anything to base that off of other than I've heard people react to to Elliot's little like engineering connections and they're like, oh, he's going to love Rhythm of War. And I'm like, okay, great. Um, so that, and then Family, I was connecting because we see a very new and interesting dynamic between Navani and Gavilar in Dalinar, sort of. Um, which was interesting and kind of shaped my perspective of some of our characters. Uh, and also, most notably, is for... We have a Liren chapter. We do have a Liren I was, chapter. I was really surprised. It, it took me a second. I was like, Liren? Liren I, who's that? Wait, okay. And I had to like, think about it for a little bit. I was like, oh my goodness, that's Kaladin's dad. Right? Yep. Okay. Um, and... We see him and Kaladin together, which was kind of interesting, really cool. But that was uh, that really stood out to me, and that's why I chose my words. So there we are.
0: Sounds good. We do have a Liren point of view chapter, which there's going to be a couple of surprising point of view chapters in this in this book, and Liren is one of them. Certainly not the most surprising though, and I'll leave it at that. We have two Navani point of view chapters, and uh, this week specifically, and the prologue and chapter three, which we'll get to here in a second. But I want to take a step back and ask you guys about the prologue format for for Stormlight. When you when you open a Stormlight book and you go to the prologue, you know what scene you're about to read by by the time you've word words of radiance you can understand the format that's about to happen we're about to see the night gavilar died from a new perspective so do you guys enjoy that is that cool to you is it boring like you you know you're not really going to see anything new or at least not on the surface at least um but what are your guys' thoughts on the the prologues of you know all four that you've read so far
2: I think it's very cool. I think it's fun cuz you 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 have something to look forward to. You have something specific to kind of look forward to when you pick up the book. You know what that prologue is at least going to be about so you can kind of go into it with some some expectations and and you know what to look for. I'll caveat that a little bit on this one and just say I was a little bit unimpressed with this one. The prologue for for Rhythm of War whereas the the other three I felt like something like earth shattering happened or something big was like, Oh my gosh, what? Whereas this one, like we kind of learned Gavilar is a jerk and Heralds, which we've seen before. And that was kind of it. There, there were definitely some nuggets to unpack, which we can talk about, but it, I wasn't, I was a little bit underwhelmed by this one, even though I, I do
1: enjoy that kind of device. Paul, I, Love the concept that um, that we have the same prologue, but from a different perspective each time. It's made me extremely excited. That That's what I was most excited for about this week and hopping back in, was seeing the new perspective, because every time we kind of strategically get new information or things that we couldn't know before, didn't know before, um, etc., and... But uh, like Elliot, I, I'm glad he went first, because I didn't want to seem like a downer by saying I wasn't super excited with this one. There was one thing that got me really excited, which we'll, we'll get to talk about here in a bit. Um, but I think our other ones were bigger to me initially, like more stuff was going on. I was learning entirely new things. Um I'm trying to remember because I know our previous one was Esh and I, yeah, his point of view, and that was like totally different. That was totally different from the other three. I would say. Well, I mean, Zeth was pretty unique. I don't think we'll get another one similar to that. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, it, it wasn't. This wasn't my favorite one. Um, but there were still some some pretty neat things that I got to point out, um, and I think. Specifically, the, the deep dive that we've done into this has made that more rewarding. I think if I was, like, like casually strolling through this this book series on my own and didn't, like, learn a lot of the details, I don't know that I would have cared for this at all. Right. Um, I'm, I'm at my, our Herald's. I think that was the coolest part, listening to our Herald's little conversation, so
0: the uh the reason why i ask you guys is because recently brandon sanderson released the unpublished stormlight 5 prologue and for those of us who are current we uh we we got to partake in that a full almost two years before it's going to be published so we got to uh we we got to read that and it was we we had to create a, a brand new channel in the discord just to house all of our discussions about what we learned in that one. So if this one didn't rock your world, I will, I will leave this teaser here of stormlight five prologue as it stands right now. I mean, it's he, Brandon Sanderson said this when he released it, it's like, it's liable to change, you know, minor things here and there and uh timeline to make sure it adds up with the other four. But there are, there are some things in there that will rock your Cosmere world.
1: I will say, I I love that everyone's getting to enjoy this, this early release of the fifth prologue, but I was in, selfishly very upset when it released, because I was so close to being caught up on the prologues, you know, like, I was going to be, I was going to have read the same prologue that everyone else has last read, you know, and then this came out, and now I'm another two years behind. Right. I feel that. <sighs> and that's just when you just, thought you're catching up, you know, just, just think about it this way, Paul, you're caught up
2: on all of your chapter ones. You have read all of the chapter ones that are out there for storm. Right.
1: Even chapter twos and threes. Yeah, I'm getting so up look there. Look at you. Look at you. I'm getting up there. You're it. Right. It's great to be all caught up. I know everything now.
0: All right. Unless anyone else has anything else, I want to talk about specifics of the prologue. What did you guys pull out of this prologue that you haven't seen before? You guys said that there wasn't that quite that much, and I agree with you. On my first read, I was like, okay, that's, you know, Gavilar's a jerk. But other than that, you didn't learn too much besides a couple name drops. But other than that, well, what, did you, what did you guys get?
1: I'll, I'll go ahead. I'm just going to go and throw mine out there. So, Navani walks into her, like, study or wherever you are, where Gavilar is meeting. Their party is all started, everyone's there, and Gavilar hasn't, like, made an appearance yet. So she walks in to tell him, like, hey, party's happening. You've got to, you're the king, you've got to go be there, you know. And she walks in, and Gavilar and two others, which I believe are two heralds, are there, and they're all pondering their little dark spheres, which is very silly. Um, uh, and it got me really curious. And they're talking, they're having this important meeting. And then Navani's like, It's too late, you've gotta go, or whatever. And they they adjourn their meeting. And you hear which, judging off of the descriptions, it sounds like it's Nail who's there. It describes like a dark makabaki with a scar, or whatever. Our, our our Skybreaker Herald and another who is like an older looking man with a beard I believe which I don't hundred percent know who that was. Um I have some guesses sort of but anyways they leave we'll revisit that keep going. They're kind of like talking about they want out, they're ready to go. It, it sounds like they know a way to end the Oath Pact. Or that's what their plan is, is to end the Oath Pact. Which was what we saw in the prelude, right? Right. Swords in the Ground, the Oath Pact, that's kind of been a big premise all throughout our story. Uh, and so that got me really, really intrigued into are we going to find out through this book how this Oath Pact can be undone, remade, whatever we want to call it.
2: I'm also super intrigued by these two two Herald guys. I, I keyed in on the I want out as well. I, I think we saw these two guys already back in the Yasna perspective,
0: right? Yes, Yasna's perspective is the last time you saw these guys.
2: Words of Radiance prologue. So mm-hmm. and in that scene, it, it almost I didn't go back and read it. I kind of I kind of want to. It almost seems like that conversation we saw there is a fairly good continuation of what we're now seeing here. It's almost like they walked out of the room with Gavilar and then like, as they're going down the stairs or something, they run into or they pass Yasna. So, cause you can almost take the conversation and fit them together. Cause the, the other guy is still kind of like complaining to nail and he's like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I got to get out or something like that. And I don't think he uses those exact words, but I, I'm not quite sure what they're talking about. The Oath Pact. Interesting idea, though. Interesting idea there.
1: I remember um, whenever we talked about these guys before, I remember Trevor drawing connections because we didn't like know they were heralds whenever we first read the, the Words of Radiance one. Um, and didn't we come to the conclusion that one of these guys was the Windrunner herald, Yezrian, Yezerza, whatever? That's, so that's who I'm thinking it is because I feel like I remember that. But I don't know for sure. You are, I didn't know, remember.
0: You're incorrect, but let me map this out for you. Okay. Uh let, let's do a tally of how many heralds are are here tonight, um, based on what we know so far. So at least two. Nails here, obviously. We know that Shalosh makes an appearance here. The her statue is present for Yasna's uh point of view chapter and it's gone for zeth so she's she's here defacing her her statue we know that yezrian is here but he's not with nail yezrian is the drunk beggar behind the palace that dalinar drinks with and zeth walks past him in his interlude and he asks everybody have you seen me and that's how you can map him. So Zeth walks past Yezrian on his way into the on his way into the castle. So we're at three, right? Now, the guy walking out with Nail obviously knows about the Oath Pact and is informed there. And in the Yasna point of view chapter, this is what you were talk, kind of talking about, Elliot. He's conversing with Nail and saying we're not supposed to go insane. I'm am I insane? Are, you're not insane to so like I, I feel like I'm going insane, but we're not supposed to go insane. Maybe I should ask Ishar about this. is what he says. So he's not that guy is not Nail, is not uh Tone, obviously, is not Yezrian. We've got two more male heralds that he could be, right? And they are.
2: Oh, that's a trivia question. I do not know the names of the heralds off the top of my head.
1: I know that there are five guys, five girls. That's all I remember. Okay, oh, like remember... look for
0: back there, Elliot? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hang on, let me.
2: I don't think it's actually back there. There's the one that talks about, like, the stones and the colors, but I don't think it actually has the heralds.
0: We're missing Kalak. Okay. The the herald that, that. Uh, Teft always swears by, you know, mm-hmm. collects breath or whatever.
1: The, yeah, prelude, prelude man. And I have no Ishar.
0: Idea which. We are missing Ishar, the bondsmith herald.
1: And he says he wants to go talk to Ishar.
0: So he's not Ishar. So who is he?
1: So he's Kalak.
0: So Kalak is here too.
1: This is our first time we finally found him.
2: That was pretty cool. Well, sort of the first time. He was our uh, perspective for the prelude, right? He was our perspective for the prelude.
1: But our first time in modern day, I guess. Right. Right. Alongside our characters.
2: Yeah.
0: So, because yeah,
1: yeah, we did see him four books ago, yeah, for right, for a a a mini chapter that was like two thousand, four thousand, however many years in the past. Um, All right, do we know what order he is? Is he like Stone Ward or something? That's what I no 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 that's 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 Tom. I'm so sorry, Alan L. E. Elend. My Truth apologies,
0: Watcher. I think. Dang, hang on.
1: I got no well, idea. While you're Shaker.
3: looking
2: that one up.
1: Ooh. Okay. Cool.
2: The one we know very little about. That's true. I did catch that our heralds are talking about Braze, which we learned about in our Cosmere 101 class that we took, is the other planet adjacent to Roshar. And I think we've picked up, I don't remember if Trevor, you explained this explicitly or if we learned this, that when the heralds die, they go to Brays, right? Isn't right. that how you explained it? And then they yep. they have to come back. And so they're they're talking here in this scene about like travel to and from Brays using a box. Mystical box. A box. Yes. I'm I'm imagining like Calvin and Hobbes, you know how he's got like his little cardboard box spaceship, and you climb into it, and he flies to you know different planets. Pretty sure that's what's going Space on. Space Man Smith. It is. Yeah. Yes. That's
1: exactly what they meant.
0: So, let's tie this to the Oath Pact. If we know that when they, when a desolation is over, they're supposed to surrender their blade, um, and return to Braes willingly if they haven't died, and at the end of. The desolations, they or at the final desolation, they don't do that. They leave Talm there by himself, because he's the only one who's never broken. He's our stone ward. He's super durable dude, super reliable. He's never broken. And so they're only and they keep breaking so fast and desolations come so fast that humanity's on the brink of extinction. And so their only solution is, oh Talm's the only one that died. Let's just leave him there. And he can hold by himself. So they do, and he lasts for four thousand five hundred years and returns. So where was I going with this? Braze. Thank you. So travel to and from Braze negates that surrender part. If they can willingly go if they can willingly travel there through the cognitive realm, through the box, whatever, whatever we're talking about here. They might be able to circumvent the Oath Pact and go help Taln without actually dying. What what the connotation of that is, who knows? The Oath Pact is super vague right now. We don't really know have really good terms of how that works and with Odium and Honor and all that fun stuff. So there's a bunch of well, rules there we don't know.
2: There's also more going on here that we don't know because in this section where they're talking about Braze, that the words they're actually saying are, let's see, here it is. Being able to bring them back and forth from Braze doesn't mean anything. It's too close to be a relevant distance. And they kind of keep on talking as if, like, they want to go further. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, we can get back and forth from Braze, but that's not enough. Like, well, hold on a second. Where, where are they trying to go? Where, where are they trying to get to? We're, we're now talking about, you know, traveling through space to other planets, is there another planet in the Roshar system they need to get to? Are they trying to go outside of the and system? Uh, These are the questions I'm asking now after reading the little snippets of the conversation that Navani overhears.
0: Kallak could be trying to escape the geography of Roshar, which will hopefully get him out of the Oath Pact, in his mind, where he doesn't He's so afraid of dying and returning to Braze right. right now that he just wants to get off world and maybe that'll sever him from the Oath Pact. Plausible.
1: Yeah, that's what stood out to me from our prologue. <laughs> the, the one thing. Mm-hmm. The, the, the one other thing that did kind of stick out to me was just Gavilar and Navani's conversation. Um, we see Gavilar be pretty verbally abusive and emotionally abusive to Navani, which surprised me. I mean, we haven't seen much from Gavilar, except in like these prologues or random like Dalinar flashbacks. Um And we can kind of associate him with like old Dalinar of just like nightly, like kind of power by force. I guess as a person, but um, but he was pretty f- forthright and uh, abusive to Navani, which kind of was like, oh well, that stinks. Um, but what stood up to me was that they kind of made it almost a a little bit of a dilemma for the reader with how Navani responded. Because at the end, she was kind of like, well, he's right, because the what he was wrestling with, what Gavilar was wrestling with, is that Navani loves Dalinar, but married Gavilar because of his power. um, And just kind of wrestling with that whole, whole scenario, uh, accusing her of only caring about power or things like that, uh, and not actually about him. Or something like that. But it sounds like he's I'm in no way condoning his actions, because I think he's still very, very, very wrong. Uh, but Navani's response made it to more—it made me stop and think.
2: And the, her actions, to, not not just in the prologue, but between prologue and current day, are also cause for thought, because— Navani gets to see the true Gavilar, and she even threatens him in the scene, right? She's like, I'll expose you. When you die, I'm a woman. I get to write your history. I will expose you. But then she doesn't. He dies, and she decides kind of at the end of this that that she's not going to write about the true man who he was, which th- that's kind of the surprise in this chapter, right? That Gavilar is a jerk, because I remember specifically reading that you know Dalinar has pretty glowing words to say about Gavilar, even present day. I believe unless Navani's caught him up on this, that Dalinar talks about, oh yeah, the the Alethi honor codes that I got drilled into me by Gavilar, or hey, Gavilar told me to read Way of Kings, like all all of these things. That it seems like Gavilar is this shining, positive influence on Dalinar, and then all of a sudden we learn, oh wait, there's a whole other side to him.
0: I was going to bring that up within the context of the three Stormlight books we've read so far, with all the information we know of Gavilar, whose eyes are we seeing him through? Is Dalinar's, right? Right. And Dalinar holds his older brother up on this pedestal of, I need to uphold your kingdom, I need to protect your son, all of that. Um, So he, he has a very good view of Gavilar, and we can now realize that if you really get to know him, Outside of the shell that he gave his younger brother, that he's not actually that great of a person.
2: He drops a one-liner too that I thought was interesting. I've been trying to even before this, I've been trying to kind of peek into figure out why, what what are Gavilar's motivations? We know that he prior to this that he was tied into the the Sons of Honor. We know that he was involved there, but we still don't really know why. Like, what were his goals? He makes a mention to. Navani, he says, I will never end. And kind of in that discussion, it seems like that's that's maybe what's driving him. I almost feel like I'm seeing a little bit behind the curtain, perhaps, of is, is immortality what Gavilar is after? Is that what he's trying to do? Is this purely a personal thing for him? Does he want to get to, like, Herald status where he's immortal? I'm going to look for more more hints maybe on that as we go. Although, of course, probably I won't get any more until the next prologue in the next
0: book. Do you guys know who the point of view for that is?
1: No. And I don't want no. to know if you're, if you're offering to share,
0: I am offering to share, but that's just because we know as a fandom from your, like before rhythm of war, we knew who it was going to be for, from my like five. So if you don't want to know, that's fine. But I did okay. know at yours, at your stage.
1: Okay. I will think on that right now. I don't want to know. Okay. Because yeah, I trying. think it will shape way too much or at least with our last book. Well oh no, that's different. I'm thinking knowing that Venley was gonna be our point of view character for this book, I think shaped a lot of how I viewed Oathbringer or how I pre- would make predictions on Oathbringer. Cause if not, I wouldn't ever include Venley in anything. I'd right. like I wouldn't have even thought twice about her, but um
2: one last thing I'll point out in this prologue. We, we see some more dark spheres. So now we know there, there's, there wasn't just one. We, we'd seen the one before, but there were more. Gavilar had a bunch. But in the course of the events here, they disappear. We, we know where one went. He yep. gives it to Zeth. Yep. But then Navani checks his pouch, Gavilar's pouch, when he's dead, and there's none in there. So my other question is where the rest of those spheres go. And I was trying to think through what we know so far of kind of the course of events, like who has Gavilar been in contact with? Who might he have given them to? And uh, I can only think of one name, Sadius. We know that Sadius and Gavilar were together just before he died. Now, there, there's kind of some unexplained timeline, too, where he could have easily been to other places and talked to other people. But we know he at least came into contact with Sadius. Did he give Sadius the
1: other dark spheres that he had?
2: And is that going to be important?
1: I actually was following what you're, what you're pointing at. I was thinking the same thing, but a different name. I was thinking of Amaram because whenever he leaves his meeting, he's like, I want to go... Didn't he say he, he had a meeting with like Amram and the others or whatever? I don't he, know if he came in contact with them.
0: He does in the Yasna. But... So there's a couple more names here in the Yasna point of view. Yasna walks in on Gavilar at a different meeting later on in the night, and Amram is there, and Gavilar and Yasna have a side conversation as well. So he talks to Yasna as well, and and Amram is is in that room as well. And he talks to I. One on one as well, and shows her one of the spheres, and that sees one, yeah. and that's what freaks her out, right? And that's what that's when they order the the death of Gavlar, like right then. So that there are, there is still plenty of contact after um, Navani sees them.
1: That's true. And in my mind, Amiram had a much bigger, much larger involvement with the like who, whatever you want to call it, supernatural. Cosmic scale of things, right? Um, with all this stuff, so in my head, it would make way more sense if he like capitalized and grabbed these dark spheres or something. But also, both of the people we're talking about are now dead, so I don't know what that means (laughs) for us. But Amram could have taken spheres to ODM or something. I don't, I don't know if that's important for them or what, but um. He seemed. He seemed a little sidetracked. O- o- Odium was a little sidetracked at the end of Oathbringer with the King's Drop, wanting to get a hold of that. So I could very well see him having those other ones. So.
3: Anything else from the
1: prologue?
0: <laughs> All right, so I am going to give an honorable mention to Shalon for these three chapters, because she has about, I don't know, four pages, and then we go back to Kaladin and Liren for the rest of it. So Shalon in Chapter 2 is infiltrating the Sons of Honor on the Shattered Plains, um, on the, the war camps in the Shattered Plains. She's undercover and gets successfully gets herself kidnapped by the Sons of Honor. And she's trying to infiltrate them, and that's all we get um, from her for these first three chapters. Her her DID, her dissociative identity disorder, seems to be just as prevalent as ever. Uh, vale, Radiant, and Shalon jump in and out really seamlessly right now. So, and she doesn't seem that as an issue or anything like that. So, she's she enters a trade deal and says, "All right, Vale, you take this one," and then enters, you know, you. Persuasion, okay, Shalon, you take this one, and then any thoughts on our brief glimpse of Shalon here?
1: Yes, I don't like her anymore. I'm upset. I understand I, I it's it seems now, with the whole identity disorder thing before it felt like it was something that was like part of her struggle or journey or growth, whatever you want to say. Um, and I thought we were going to make this kind of like breakthrough and she was maybe going to be able to like use them in a positive way, but like sh- knowing she is Shalon and stuff and it kind of just feels like she's tenfold more lost and like more so embracing it or not ups- worried or anything about it before it felt like, I don't actually have any evidence to back this up, but how I was reading and understanding while we were going through the story was there was a little bit of like remorse or maybe holding back with these personalities, with like oh no, like I shouldn't, or whatever. But now it's just it just feels like it's like, oh, like it's just how it is now and stuff. And so I was kind of annoyed to have like veil it was like Veil point of view, pretty much. It yep. wasn't really like Shallan point of view. And I'm kind of annoyed with it and not a fan. that is, I think that's my least favorite thing of our episode so far, of this episode. Not so far. O- overall, I can't can't think of anything else. So, yeah,
0: I I'm totally with you. I am fairly <laughs> disconnected from D I D, and I don't really. It doesn't appeal to me as a as a reader. But if if Brandon Sanderson wants to include it, then I'm all for it. And it, I did notice that as well that the first time you see shalon on the page she's introduced to you as a veil and it's it's not you're not reading shalon point of view you're reading a veil point of view chapter it's the veil is that prevalent here
2: i'm quite curious to see now that shalon has fully embraced the the different personalities or identities that she's got going on is she going to be able to maintain her own personality her own identity what what happens to her own view of herself in this i'm i'm not sure if this is going to help her does this let her kind of like compartmentalize different parts of her life and it's a good thing or is this going to distract and she's going to kind of lose herself in these multiple people that she's got going on inside of her i'm curious to see how this is how this is going to go down over the the book here
3: There is a pretty big bomb drop in the middle of this very short section on Chelan Vale Radiant. Paul did you catch it? I don't think so. So, what I saw I'll just read it. It might be time, Vale whispered, to remember once and for all everything. No, it was not. But Shallan retreated immediately. No, we can't think of that. Take control. It's classic Shallan, right? She's avoiding
2: something. But, but hold on a second. I thought we had all the Shallan reveals. I thought we'd gone through this multiple times of how she has a big, scary, terrible, horrible thing in her past that she's done that she has to accept. Oh wait, there's
0: more. What more could there be? I killed my dad. I killed my mom. <laughs> uh, what, what
2: else? Uh, well, the rest of her family we members know... are alive, right? Uh, we've confirmed
1: Except for, this. Well, Except for Hella. The right. brother. Yeah. The br- the. But she Kaladin. didn't kill him. We know yeah. that. We know that. So. Unless, so, unless so, her unless, story's getting really crazy. Unless Shalon is <laughs> Kaladin. <laughs> there we go.
2: Oh, that's what it is. She's <laughs> has to remember that she's Light Song, of
1: course. Yeah, yes, of course. yes. Uh, Obviously, finally it's going to tie in. Yeah, oh, I've been so waiting for I, that one for a while. Before opening the cover of this book, I had
2: firmly filed Shalon away as, okay, we figured her out. We've gone on her journey. She's done her stuff. I'm sure we'll learn more. I was actually excited. I was like, I wonder what's next for Shalon. And then this just yanked me back to, oh wait, we're not done. It's not what what's next for Shalon. It's still what's in the past. So I was that completely surprised me. She's, I mean, she's on the cover of the
0: book, so at least she'll she'll have some some journey to go on. But I don't blame you for assuming that was forward instead of further back. <laughs>
1: okay, I'm gonna start this with, I'm really excited to find out what it is. I'm very excited. I, 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 I did miss this from my read through. I didn't, I didn't notice that we had this big ominous secret left from Shalon, And I don't really know where that could go. Cause yeah, we've seen a lot of what she's done. And so I don't, I don't know what, what, what could be bigger than the reveals in words of radiance for her specifically um but every fiber of my body in the real world outside of this podcast is like very much a fan of like whenever there's i don't know just stuff in life that happens or whatever or things that are bugging you, it's good to just have it out on the table or like talk about it, address it. And Shalon never does. And it <laughs> drives me crazy. It drives me insane because she'll like sit on this for like a book, which is like the course of a year. And it's just like this one thing no, don't think about it. Don't you dare think about it. And I'm like, no, just say it. Like, just go ahead. And so maybe that's maybe that's part of my, my struggle, my conflict with Shalon or character. Is I think she may be the opposite of me. And so, um, so I am frustrated. I am a little frustrated with Miss Shalon DeVar. Um,
0: she's Shalon Colin now, actually. Oh,
1: excuse me. Mrs. Shalon Colin.
0: Which sounds terrible Was there in like... my head. I don't. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Was... <laughs> Was there a, like wedding? Yeah, they both had... bring it was super
2: short. We talked about how like we thought it was gonna be a bigger deal than it was like a page.
1: I don't I don't remember them getting married at all.
0: <laughs> it's the last page of the last chapter. Dalinar sits down after the wedding feast to, to write Oathbringer. It's it's like a one-liner.
1: Okay. Wow. And well exciting way to go.
0: Alright. On to chapter one. We have a Liran point of view chapter. Lirin is in Hearthstone, an occupied Hearthstone, and he is playing Surgeon. Well, he's not playing Surgeon. He is the Surgeon, and he is doing everything that you could possibly think of that is tied to health and wellness. He is screening refugees that are coming in from Herodaz uh, to make sure they don't have the plague, which has risen up in the west of Roshar. And he's... Treating wounds and walking up and down the line, making sure everybody is okay, sends uh, some people to the the mental health tent, the the self harm watch tent, and he's just trying everything he can to be the surgeon that he has tried to teach Kaladin to be back in the Way of Kings, and when Kaladin shows up at the end of this chapter, he's more than disappointed with, with Kaladin and what he's become. He's even like and Kaladin knows it. There's obviously been some dialogue between Liren and Kaladin this last year that we haven't read of I don't want to see you here because you bring destruction and death wherever you go. So don't come don't don't come near my son or like your brother. But he he is here. He's trying to evacuate the whole town and the fused come come chasing him what do you guys think of this fairly action packed first couple chapters
2: i thought the first chapter wasn't too exciting leeren's kind of yeah part of this peaceful resistance i'd almost call it they're they're kind of trying to operate underneath the the watchful eye of the of the fused and the singers but at the same time, he's also not really resisting too much. He, he even kind of part of the struggle in this is he's willing to submit to oppression in order to save lives. And, and he's actually bothered by others who aren't. He doesn't like that others are resisting because he knows that's going to cost more lives. So right. his, his kind of prime directive is to preserve
1: life as much as possible. I was very excited to see Liren again. I, Like I said, I kind of forgot about him. It's been a while since we've touched base with our Hearthstone family. Um, and I also thought it was really... I was really excited to see that we were ha- getting some action out of the gate. Um, because my fear coming into this book was kind of like a, a slow drag start. Right. Uh, and so it was really exciting, really exhilarating to kind of be dropped... Straight into some heat, um fighting the fuse and everything here in hearthstone. also it showed that our our problems are just spreading everywhere because I've always thought of hearthstone as kind of like a rural little city, kind of in the middle of nowhere, you know right. and and seeing that there um all the trouble of the world has now reached their little hobbit hole in the Shire. so um. Which isn't—that's not happy or fun, but uh, but it but it kind of showed that I guess. But yeah, I didn't have anything super major from this chapter, other than I'm really excited to see Lyran. I don't know if he's going to tie in to be more of a figure again, or maybe we'll see some more relation between him and Kaladin. But I would be all for it.
0: One of the major issues Elliot you had with Oathbringers we kind of dropped Kaladin's uh Kaladin's arc so yeah if Liren came back in and he had some conflict with Kaladin that might feed into that storyline that you were wanting
2: it does seem like we might be introing that for sure I was I was struck by the very stark contrast of the Kaladin that left Hearthstone originally and the Kaladin that's now coming back and so that that moment where like Liren and, and Kaladin lock eyes you can just feel the like tension there and the, the difference. This is not the same Kaladin. It's so far from the Kaladin that that originally left Liren and left Hearthstone. So that could totally be setting up a, a good character dilemma
0: there. Kaladin fights a new Fused, and he equates it to the Else Caller? Equivalent, um, fused. I think is what he says. Where it can teleport, and it kind of like evaporate or dissolves into this little Spren-like thing, zips around, and then expands, and he can expand into a new body and fight, and then he dissolves and zips around again. But he can't fly. He can he can fly around when he's little, but he once he expands he drops, and so he basically. Keeps expanding right on top of Kaladin and like dragging him to the floor is how he's attacking him. I really enjoyed. I read these as preview chapters back when they, um, back when they came out because Brandon Sanderson released, I think maybe like fourteen preview chapters before *Rhythm of War* came out, and these were these were some of them. And I really enjoyed the imagery in these chapters. the The foggy Hearthstone, the, like the early morning um with the line of refugees i could just, just totally see the whole thing in my head of he, kaladin is in the line trying to be inconspicuous and then then he's revealed and then has this huge fight with this fused. so
1: i was excited to see some of our different powers in action with with our else color fused because we don't get to see that much we really get a lot of windrunner uh Time and some edge dancer with lift, skybreaker with Zeth, and some with you know Shalon as a light weaver. But there's still a lot of our orders that we really don't see anything. I haven't seen a lick in my that I can remember really from Stone words We've seen a little bit of we know what a Dustbringer can do, but we've never seen it really in action, um, and stuff like that. So this is cool to get like a little showcase.
3: Um, more so, definitely a
2: challenge for Kaladin as well. You, you can you can see our radiance getting you know more and more powerful, so it's it's good to see them kind of having to face bigger and bigger challenges with more and more fused. I'm actually interested. Kaladin says this is the seventh different type of fused he's come across, and we know or have been able to imply. I think it's mentioned in this chapter that they expect there to be nine yep. different types. So that means there's two more that they haven't seen yet. And it's been a year since the kind of where we left them. So for, for two of them to be pretty absent in that time frame is, is a little surprising.
0: I I do enjoy that line. Dalinar insists that there's nine when everybody assumes there's going to be 10 fused and Dalinar says, Oh no, there's nine. And then offers no explanation in what Kaladin says. He's like, he never explained, but there's nine apparently. So,
1: it's got to be Bondsmith, right? Like the missing one. Like no way the fused have Bondsmiths, right? Or maybe there's one, but if if there is what other one isn't there?
0: I would I would also assume the missing one is Bondsmith and that there's yeah, no no Bondsmith equivalent. All right, what did you guys think of The Fourth Bridge? The the fog evaporates with the morning heat, and the fourth bridge descends upon Hearthstone to rescue them all as an airship.
2: Pretty cool. I thought it was pretty awesome. In they fly on this, yeah, very steampunk-esque airship. All right. I thought it was awesome.
0: So we've had a request of a new segment, which I don't know if we actually will do this, but we can we can maybe try the first first one of this. Elliot, do you want to explain some Fabrial science as this is being explained from Navani's perspective?
2: Sure. Th- this one is fairly simple in concept, but I immediately keyed into like the complexity of the operation of this thing. It- it's essentially it really is just a a very large version of Rissen's chair that we saw in Donshard, yep. they were able to figure out how to you know levitate a chair and get it to you know kind of sit at a certain level but then be able to move you know horizontal to the ground laterally and so they've just they've just expanded that to this huge like football fields size airship so they have weights back at urethiru that they can lower you know off a cliff. And it raises the airship up into the air. And then the other intriguing part about it is in order to propel it, you know, forward, they have it paired to other fabrials that are on the shattered planes that are hooked up to like these huge harnesses with like hundreds of chulls that just like walk across a plateau and back like for days to pull the 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 airship, you know, slowly across the sky. Which all that's fairly simple. They even talk about it's. It's not all that different from a span read, linking two pens and the pens make the same movement. You're just linking a bunch of massive weights together and making them perform the same thing over long distances. But it immediately jumped out at me as one operation of that has got to be tricky. Not to mention you don't even have a walkie-talkie to you know talk to the person on the other. You're doing the whole thing with pen and paper.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. It's like you're emailing back and forth directions. (laughs) turn left hey. no left i mean other left like all of that has to happen over you know messages back and
1: forth it's gonna take you know a few minutes each time you just stop stop right stop like writing in all caps all the time oh my goodness yeah like and what that- happens if someone steps away from their their pen and paper for just a second like we missed our turn
2: right and then on top of this, if you're going to use this thing as a weapon of war, as like a battleship, if the enemy figures out how you're controlling this thing and can send like a squad of, you know, flying fuse people to go ruin the day of your laborers that are pulling on the ropes to get the thing to move, you could cripple this thing pretty fast. So you'd have to very much protect your crew back at your home base who are actually operating the thing. It'd be pretty easy to disrupt that. I think, you know, one, one saboteur could do a lot of damage.
1: That's what I was thinking. I think this is really hilarious. And from what I've learned about Brandon Sanderson as a writer, it seems very on brand. I'm referencing when Trevor talked about just like Brandon Sanderson has a lot of really cool magic systems. But he also came up with a lot of ones that are just so ridiculous and out there that they were like, no, like, just stop. Right. Take, a, <laughs> take a break. Like, just let's start fresh. Uh, like that. What was it? Like two worlds. that you'd like balance or whatever. All sorts of stuff. But this I was like, this is such a cool concept with span reads, like having the like mirrored movement, like across the world or whatever, between these fabrioles. That's so cool. But for, like, a ship's movement, I feel like it would have been kind of neat to, to have a new thing because this seems like such a huge pain. Like, what if you had to drive your car and you had to, like, text someone every time, like, all right, turn the car on. Or not the car on, maybe. But, like, all right, let's put it in drive. Let's go. It's like, you know, like, just everything seems really obnoxious. And the other person was just, like, running around. Like... <laughs> That's what makes me laugh is that it's like a bunch of cholls that are just like pulling this thing around
2: for it's, weeks. It's, it's pre- yeah,
1: it's pretty funny. Oh my goodness!
0: Yeah. I I didn't really think about the saboteur part, but you're absolutely right. If somebody, if they get an insight on your Ethereum and they go cut a rope on one of those weights, the ship can go, <laughs> real <Yeah>. real quick. <laughs> <laughs> he just, just takes off into the sky.
2: <sighs> All right. I did think it was very cool that they like built into the airship the actual bridge four. Yep. Like that that Kaladin and his crew carried back in Wave Kings. It took me back for a moment to those scenes, those visceral scenes where they're like charging into battle and the arrows are flying and the, the blood is spraying everywhere. They took that bridge and they built it into the deck of the fourth bridge this airship that was that was pretty cool
0: i also really enjoyed the the fourth bridge as a as a name because this this far in you feel fairly disconnected from bridge four and what what brought us here so just that homage to kaladin and his crew and where this all started for for the readers really cool to me anything else from these these chapters we're well and truly into some some sci-fi steampunk technology we're, we're kind of on the the cusp of what it feels like a science magic revolution on on roshard they're they're really discovering a lot of things with their spren with their fabrials and all sorts of cool stuff you're a thiru elliot you've had a couple theories about what if they could turn your theory on as a as it seems like should be able to happen there's a big fet what seems to be a Fabriel on th- at the basement of your theory what if they could turn it on and what what's what's that gonna do so there's all sorts of cool implications and we're on the cusp of it with entering this book
2: and we had in the prologue gavilar talking about space travel it, it very much feels like our our characters are at the the dawn of a new age perhaps on roshar
0: anything else for this episode that was it for me good start sounds good let's continue reading thanks for joining me paul see ya
1: always